congratulations to all of our graduates. Doing a great job. It's me. I'm back. If you're, <laughs> if, um, if you're a visitor here today, uh, come back next week for the regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so in April, uh, Pastor and I, we did um, some focused prayer about this series that we're in. And we sat down and we planned the weeks. And he threw out the idea, how about I do two weeks and you do two weeks? And then he said, well, let's just see how Mother's Day goes. <laughs> so I guess it went okay because here I am. And um, <laughs> I really do feel like God wants to speak something to us today. The presence in this house is so strong and, and so special. So on the last week of this courageous series, I want to do my best to package this thing up with a nice bow full of some practical application. I want to put some feet on this, on this series so that we can know what it looks like to walk courageously in the days ahead. All right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I welcome you into this house. Thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray anoint your word. Lord, I pray rightly divide your word a thousand different ways so that everyone in this room can hear from you. In Jesus' name. The courageous woman I want to bring to you today is Deborah. And I know several Deborahs. Of course, Deborah Suey. She is our tiniest giant. And I, I love her so much. And I actually see so many similarities between the Deborah that we read about in the book of Judges and our own very, De our, our own <laughs> Deborah Suey. So maybe you all will see them as well. So before I get into the text, I'm a firm believer about setting up the scene. Because how many of you know that context is important, especially when you're studying the Word of God? Amen? Okay. So God has delivered Israel. He gave them a promise of a land full of milk and honey. However, the journey to get to this land, it was not a straight line. It wasn't just point A to point B, but it was rather a lot of circling for a lot of years. And Joshua is the one that leads the children of Israel through the desert into the promised land. And there were battles, there was more parted waters, there was all the things, and they finally got to the promised land. And in Joshua 24, 15, he gives us the famous line, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then in the next couple of verses, the Israelites remember all that God had done for them. And then at the end of verse 18, they say, We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. It's the famous last words. Because in just you flip over just a couple of pages and in Judges 2, 10 and 11, I think these are the saddest verses in the entire Bible. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. 
And this was the start of the dark ages for Israel. And we see Israel start a cycle. They disobey and walk away from God. An enemy comes and oppresses them. And then God raises someone up to deliver them. They run back to God. And then they get comfortable and walk away from God again. What we can see in this is that no matter how unfaithful we are, God is faithful. He loves us. And he desires to redeem us. And when we go way off path, God always has a plan. There are two things that we can be certain of in this world. This world is full of chaos and that our God is faithful. Amen. So the, the individuals that God chose to raise up during these dark ages, they're called judges. And the judges were the national leaders that would bring deliverance to Israel. They were the mediators and administrators, and they would also resolve conflict among the people. And he also rose up prophets, and those were the individuals that God would appoint to guide Israel spiritually. Now, most of the time, there were both a judge and a prophet, except one time God chose to raise up a woman, and he made her both judge and prophet. Because hallelujah, God knows women can multitask, amen? (laughs) So Deborah gives us some really practical lessons on how we can be a courageous leader, especially during dark times. The fact that Deborah is a woman during this time in history leading a nation makes her the unlikely choice. But we see a common denominator when God is choosing ones to raise up to fulfill his mission, they're all unlikely. And Deborah is no different. So our first point today of how can we be courageous leaders is courageous leaders are encouragers. All right, I want you to pick somebody beside you. And I want you to tell them, you're amazing. All right, now I want you to Turn to your second choice and tell them God's got something special for you too. Okay, so if you weren't, if you weren't sure how to be an encourager, that's all you need to do. Now, I want you to understand our points today, they're intentional. To be a courageous leader, we cannot get these steps confused. I've gotten them confused. And it doesn't work. First, we must be encouragers. While Deborah was leading Israel, the Israelites were being oppressed by the Canaanites. And the king of the Canaanites was King Jabin. And the army commander was Sisera. And Sisera, up to this point, had been great in battle. His chariots alone are counted at 900, and the Bible says that they're covered in iron. So the Canaanites outnumber Israel. They had more money than Israel, and they had more battle experience than Israel. The Lord spoke to Deborah, and he gave her the battle plan of how Israel would defeat the Canaanites. And so this is what she said in Judges 4 and 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, quote, Go, 
take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulunan, lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. It's good for us to remember that the word encourage simply means to impart courage. And this is exactly what Deborah does with Barak. The Lord spoke to, De- to Deborah. He spoke Barak's name. He gave the battle plan. He gives the enemy's defense and how the battle would end. And so Deborah knows that she must impart courage into Barak because God has specifically chosen Barak to fulfill this mission. And I guess, you know, we can all assume that this Barak must have been brave and strong and a mighty fighter. And let's see, in verse 8, Barak said to her, Well, if you will go with me, I will go. If you don't go with me, I won't go. In verse 9, certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. This is the perfect example of what it looks like to be an encouraging leader. Deborah didn't shame Barak's apprehension, but she celebrated his progress. And listen, this is important. This is what it looks like to be a courageous leader in 2022. We celebrate any and all progress. Amen? Listen, someone else's progress may not look like what we think it should look like. But I want to tell you that's our problem, not theirs. Amen? You know, I remember when George and Elise took their first steps. And George took his first steps at the Cracker Barrel. And we were celebrating Jeremy's birthday. And we had a really big crowd outside in the front of the restaurant. And George took two very wobbly steps. And everybody probably thought that we had just received $500 million in cash. I mean, we were screaming and dancing and and clapping, and that's normal. That's normal, right? That's what encouragement and imparting courage, that's what it looks like and sounds like. I mean, what if our group had just been totally silent? What if I said, George, son, I really hope you can get better. Because those first two steps, that was horrible. That's not what I expected at all. But, you know, good job. You finally did it. I mean, that sounds totally bizarre to us, right? It's not the normal response to a child's first steps. But it's the same when you're leading. It's the same when you're mentoring. It's the same when you're just sitting on the sidelines of someone's life. Encouragement looks and sounds like you've just been given $500 million cash. Now, let me tell you, if your encouragement makes somebody feel shame, you're doing it wrong. But that's okay. That's okay. Now you know. Now now you can fix it, right? So Deborah had every opportunity to completely degrade Barak. Deborah was Barak's biggest encourager and his biggest influence. And this brings up our second point of how to be a courageous leader. Courageous leaders recognize God-given influence. The reason the order of the steps are so important 
is because once you have imparted courage, God will open a door to have influence in someone's life. Encouragement comes before influence because it takes away the opportunity to manipulate relationships. Okay, I want to say that again. Encouragement comes before influence because it takes away the opportunities to manipulate relationships. After God has seen and heard us on the sidelines of someone's life cheering and celebrating every wobbly step, he knows that he can trust us to lead. And so he allows us to have some influence. The end of verse 9, Judges 4 and 9, after Deborah says that she'll go, she says, But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And so De Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. And we see here Deborah giving Barak some hard truth. Yes, I'll go with you into battle. But because I'm, I'm going, you, you must know that Sisera will be killed by a woman and you will not receive the honor. Deborah was moved by compassion and conviction and led Barak courageously. Courageous leaders who have God-given influence are given wisdom straight from heaven. And God trusts that the hard truths will be given with love and more encouragement. Deborah didn't shame Barak. She didn't tell Barak to just forget about it. She gave him the hard truth. And then some more encouragement. In verse 14 it says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled by foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim. And all Sisera's troops fell by the sword and not a man was left. Barak didn't trust his own abilities. But he trusted the word of the godly influence in his life. He trusted his leader. We read the rest of this story in Judges 4, and it's PG-13, and so I'm just going to give you some highlights. Is that okay? <laughs> the way God sets up this battle is, is absolutely brilliant. In the heat of the battle, Sisera, he flees the scene, and a woman named Jael recognizes Sisera and invites him into her tent. Just like any good woman, Jael knows a hardworking man, they need a good nap, right? And so J.L. gives Sisera a blanket and a cup of milk, and Sisera falls asleep, and she assassinates him. And Israel was then able to close in and defeat King Jabin, and the battle played out just like God said it would. Our third point today is courageous leaders are peacemakers. When we're first introduced to Deborah, Judges 4, 4 through 5, it says, Now Deborah, prophet, wife, was leading Israel at the time. 
And she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to have her, for her to have, to have her settle their disputes. That's really smart. Settling disputes under a palm tree in the middle of beautiful scenery. I mean, that doesn't sound half bad, right? But what does it look like to be a peacemaker? Being a peacemaker can look like bringing people together and helping to mediate conversations. I'll tell you the hardest one for me is that being a peacemaker often looks like holding your peace. Looks like being still, fighting in prayer and letting God work things out in his time. You've got to remember to rem- to give room for God to do what only he can do. There's a lot of times that he doesn't really need our help. He doesn't really need us to get involved. Being a peacemaker can also look like fighting for peace. And I know that sounds so strange, but there are times when we have to look at a situation either personally in relationships or on a global level and situations of human injustices and and do our part to fight knowing the end result will be peace. As a courageous leader, we know that we are simply walking out his mission. The goal is simple. Every day, to everyone we encounter, we we first impart courage, then we recognize influence. And finally, it should be known by everyone around us that by any means possible, we are the peacemakers. Deborah's first calling wasn't a warrior. However, sometimes the role of a peacemaker requires us to go to war. When Deborah agrees to go into battle, she steps out from under the comfort of her shady palm and she suits up. And this is completely out of her comfort zone, but we don't, she doesn't seem to be uncomfortable at all because Deborah was led by God. She knew his voice well because she heard it every day as she guided the people of Israel. She knew that at the end of the day, the, the battle was already won. She knew that she was an ambassador of heaven. And in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, it says that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Listen, I want you to realize this, okay? To be an ambassador means that I have every resource, I have every dollar, I have every weapon of the country that I am representing at my disposal. That means that as an ambassador of Christ, the King of Kings fills my arsenal with every one of his resources. I have all of the angel armies waiting on me to give them their next command. I have authority and power of the Holy Spirit to demolish every dark scheme on this earth. I have the backing of the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. I want to remind you of what the Bible says about the God that is backing you. 
fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings he, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalk in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Lord the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command
Come on, let's thank God for the word.